Hello, and welcome back to Demigod Disasters, a Percy Jackson podcast where I, your host, Andy, am both a demigod and a disaster. Both things forever true. Uh, this week, we are talking about episode four, which I am kind of obsessed with. So come hang out with me while we talk about all things relating to this tunnel. This tunnel. So come with me as we talk about all the things that happen in this episode. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. I am in a slightly different setup because travel. Uh, I did a, a big trip with friends. And so things are a little bit different. Uh, so hopefully nothing is too chaotic. But welcome back. Welcome back to Demigod Disasters. Um, I feel like I really live up to that name every time I post an episode. <laughs> I feel like I really live up to it. Um, so much in that last episode. Have you seen it? Have you seen episode four? There is literally so much to talk about. And I I don't even like... <laughs> I know that everyone's talking about like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get everything in the Medusa episode? This is... This episode is everything to me. <laughs> this episode is literally everything to me. Oh my gosh. So if we remember, last episode was Medusa sending her head off to Olympus. Lots of big things. A sneak peek at Hermes, Lemon, and Miranda. We also got lots of like choosing each other moments. You know, the friendships are developing exciting that's where we left off in the tv show but now now we're in the new episode are you ready because i have so much to talk about <laughs> i think i was writing uh some of these notes on the plane and because i was on the plane i didn't have i don't have a laptop that like functions like a functioning normal laptop because mine like overheats and needs to be plugged in <laughs> within like 10 minutes of use so I don't have like a functioning laptop. So I was using my iPad. And let me tell you, let me tell you, I, I can't tell how many pages it is because again, I'm on my iPad. But like when I was like, oh, you know, I'm at like the end of this episode. I'll check how many notes I have. The scrolling I did. <laughs> so much scrolling. I wrote so many notes. I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? Because I'm so ready. I have, I have set up, uh, the TV, my TV, there is no the TV. I have set up my TV to silently play this episode as we talk about it. Because, oh my gosh, like sometimes I just, I was like rewatching it again because that's what I do. And I was like, whoa, this moment too. This is so cool. And like, and like, it's not even like necessarily big things. I'm just like, the way that they look at each other here. The way that she reacts this way. The way that he reacts this way. Like, it, every this episode is wonderful. This episode is absolutely phenomenal. But let's, let's get into it. So, I want to give a shout out to the little foreshadowing uh, at the end of this episode recap as we go into this one. Because the end of the recap is Annabeth literally saying the gods won't like it. You know? about them sending Medusa's head to Olympus. Like, literally, she's foreshadowing the entire episode, right? Like, the big 
turning point in the episode, which is Athena not liking this. <laughs> so cool that like that happened and I didn't even I wasn't even like anticipating it. Okay. We go in. We get this fantastic opening scene of young Percy and Sally Jackson in the pool. So I've been thinking about this scene a lot. I think that this scene into the next scene is like a dream memory. Like Percy's dreaming, but he's remembering this moment in the dream. And that's how it transitions into the actual dream with Kronos. That's my theory. That's my thought. He looks... <laughs> young Percy looks literally so tiny. The tiniest. <laughs> and he's scared of the water. This is great. I love this. This also gives me... I feel like when I was reading the books and we met... Uh, spoiler... And we met Thalia. I was like, it's kind of silly that she's afraid of, like, heights. But, like, I like this. I don't know. I like I like that we're getting it in Percy, too. Because now it's like, oh, it's not just an innate ability. Like, there is some give and take from the parent to the demigod. Which is interesting. I really like it. I find it fascinating. I also think it would be fun as a theory to be like, <laughs> he's scared of the water because it's not running water. You know, like it's contained and so he's not as confident in it. I think that would be a funny, a funny like little specificity, but I don't think it's that. I think it's just in general, which that was so cool. Um, and I also like, <laughs> I also really like that we get the ability to see Percy grow into his affinity to water like his ability and powers with water and that's how we end this episode right we get to see how much he progresses because it's not already established and like is the this is a big change eh, it's like it's like a medium level change from the books but i think it gives us so much more of a personal connection to percy because we get to see the whole thing you know, it's like we get to see him grow up in a more like contained context. I think it's cool. I really like it. Sally is trying so hard to get her her kid like to be able to have these hard skills that are important for life in general. But also Sally knows that these are going to be actually important for his legitimate survival as a person, as a demigod. You know, like she she's she's not like those other parents there you know, that are like, oh, this is good for them, like, in case they ever, like, end up wanting to go swimming with their friends, or, like, if they're ever in a boat and they fall off, like, this is perfect, whereas Sally's like, my kid might end up being actually in a situation that's life and death and need to know how to swim more on a regular basis as a youngling when no one is around to help them, like, like, Sally knows. Sally, Sally is aware. I will say it makes me wonder if Sally knows that Percy's dad is Poseidon, I mean, there's no way she doesn't know, right? Like, there's no way she doesn't know. But I wonder if she's just, like, doing these swimming lessons and she's, like, looking up at the sky like, you, you, you gave me all this trouble and you didn't even give our kid water powers? Why is he scared of the water? What did you do to him? So funny. So, so funny to me. Such a funny thing. Uh, we also get young Percy talking to Sally. And repeating to her the same things that she's been trying to teach him, right? So she goes, just, she, she 
has taught Percy to just breathe in situations of like high stress and anxiety. And so when young Percy sees that in Sally at these swimming lessons, he repeats it back to her, which is like really lovely in just like a non-TV show context. Um, this is like, this is Percy actively showing the results of the kind of parent that Sally is. This is often, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been on parenting TikTok? Have you ever been there? I love when I get these very specific TikToks from the parenting side of TikTok. I am not a parent. I hopefully will never be one. It's not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> but but these TikToks, man, there's a, a lot of work being done by people to try and break the cycle of generational trauma. And with that, they try to teach their children healthier ways to cope with emotions, healthier ways to talk about emotions, to deal with them, and just overall ways to have healthier relationships with people around them. And I love the being on the side of TikTok because then I get to see videos where, say, like, um, a child is self-regulating their emotions in a way that the parent is still learning to. And so you see literally what we see in this episode, which is the child reminding the parent about the self-regulation methods for their own emotions to help the parent navigate their own emotions because the kid it doesn't have as much um, or even any sometimes like pressure that the parent did growing up. And so you can see very clearly the breaking of the cycle of generational trauma. And it's beautiful. I love, I love getting these TikToks of like, um, like little little girls going up to their mom and like telling them to to breathe, and that it's okay, you know, not because they feel that it's their obligation to take care of their mother, but because they understand that that's what mom said. That's what you're supposed to do when you have big emotions, and it's like that kind of thing. And that's literally what we're seeing Percy do with Sally, and so it's like. <laughs> It's a beautiful moment because Sally has come such a long way. We know from the books that Sally's had a really difficult time growing up. She probably has a lot of this generational trauma and has developed most likely some unhealthy coping skills, hasn't quite figured out how to deal with all of her emotions. But here she is putting in the work to have a a, a Percy, have a, a, a child, a son that she loves and cares for so deeply and trying to teach him the best ways to have relationships with others and with yourself and with your feelings. And it's just so special to me. I, I love seeing those kinds of TikToks. And so I just, I love seeing that shown on screen of like, hey, this is, this is doing something like to, to parents because this is a family show, right? And so we're getting that like, these kids are internalizing these lessons that parents are trying to give them. Right? And this is the most positive way of that because we see the negative version of that with Annabeth later on in the episode. But just ah, special shout out to that. I love that moment so much. Uh, I just say it's cruel and unusual punishment that the end of that hugging sequence in the water, young Percy says like to his mom, you'll always be here. After she says, like, there's one day you're not going to be able to have me around. Like, you need to be able to do this yourself. He's so confident that she'll be there. And then we cut to, <laughs> we, we, we cut to like 
Percy completely by himself in this dreamland, you know? Uh, and this is why I think that this is a present Percy dream, like the whole thing of it's a memory and a dream. Because cause there he is in this dream, still as his young version of himself, just kind of fully alone. <laughs> That's so devastating. He's so He was so confident in his relationship that he was like, it's not going to be... Uh, impacted we're going to be together forever like we're gonna be so safe he's a mama's boy percy is literally a mama's boy switching back to dreamland i keep calling it that that's what it's gonna be switching back to dreamland (laughs) um i find it very interesting that the landscape is brighter now and it makes you wonder if the landscape of dreamland reflects percy's psyche so you know how at the top of the show, when we first saw him in this dreamland, it was all like very dark and stormy and gloomy. And I think that really just represented exactly like where he was in terms of his emotional distress. He was really going through it. It was very difficult for him. He was feeling very betrayed, very alone. But now, not only is he like reliving a very happy memory, but he's also developing these new relationships and like putting trust in people and he's having glimmers of hope again, right? And so his dreamland, <laughs> I will keep calling it that, his dreamland is then brighter and has more light to it. And so I wonder if like that will play into it, like what his dreamscape dreamland looks like. I'm very curious. I would love to know the process that people have gone through in like, what does this dreamland look like? What determines what kind of colors it'll be you know like i i want to know what their thoughts are i want to know how they came up with this i will say like again about carnos i don't think he was watching him since he was tiny because percy was so taken aback when he first heard the phrase of a forbidden child a forbidden child and i think that if he had heard that in his nightmares when he was younger he would have remembered so i really think that this whole thing is a present day dream and I mean, we kind of get that clear, but I just, I'm solidifying it. I'm setting it in stone. And then we get the chasm thing again, you know, falling into Tartarus and then ending there with Percy waking up, cutting off the dream. We then switch to Percy waking up in the train cab and calling out to Annabeth. I love this scene. I love this scene so, 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 so much. But I want to give a little bit of framing to how I'm going to talk about this scene. Okay. First things first, I'm the realist. No, first things first, I uh, I studied psychology in college. I got my degree in it. I spend a lot of time thinking about psychology and how it impacts people. My special area of interest was like child abnormal psychology. So this is my wheelhouse, okay? This is is my wheelhouse and we're going to talk about it. So I want us to be able to look at this scene through... A specific lens in psychology and it's not that like this is how we're going to interpret everything but it's more so that this is going to frame how we talk about things okay are, are we following <laughs> and that thing that i want to talk about is the uh, attachment style theory i know you've probably heard of it uh it's it's a pretty common thing to be taught in like introductory psychology courses I've spent a lot of time learning about it. I've seen other senior capstones on attachment styles and 
the theory and how it interacts with other other kinds of factors in people's lives and so on and so forth. But I think that this gives us a really good jumping off point to get into the meatiness that is this conversation between Percy and Annabeth, okay? There can be secure attachments and there can be insecure attachment styles that a child may have with their caregiver. Anybody can have more than one attachment style. It can vary based on uh, the parent. You know, if you have two parents, you can have two different attachment styles. If you are being raised in a communal setting and you have multiple key caregivers, you can have different attachment styles to each of them as you are developing. Attachment styles are a very Western concept, and so they don't always apply very well cross-culturally. So do keep that in mind that, like, this is just our framework to jump into the actual discussion. Okay? Okay. Secure attachment styles. This is defined usually by a trusting, stable relationship that the child has with their caregiver. It allows for them to be more independent gives them a higher chance of having higher self-esteem as they grow up and also tend to be better with emotions and confidence and trust in other people. Lots of positive things, right? And then we have insecure attachments. There are three different types. I'm not going to go into them because this isn't psychology 101. This is Percy Jackson 101. So (laughs) we're going to cut to the chase. Insecure attachments are defined by an unstable relationship with a caregiver. So this can be a lot of different things. It can be because a caregiver is inconsistent in how they care for the child. It can be that the caregiver is neglectful, not necessarily a fault of their own, but possibly a fault of their own. It could be uh, instances of abuse, other situations, so on and so forth, right? And this kind of attachment style often causes for kids with it to have difficulty talking about their emotions, developing trusting relationships, and it often leads to them having more and more anxiety in comparison to other peers who may have a secure attachment style. So, (laughs) now that we have these two as like concepts in our little tool belts. Why the heck am I bringing this up? So the way that Percy and Annabeth talk about relationships in this scene in that train cab really ties into the way that they view love and relationships as a whole. And so I have to give this little disclaimer. When I say relationships as a whole, I'm not talking about romantic relationships exclusively. I'm talking about all kinds of relationships. Um, Parental relationships, uh, familial relationships in general, friendships, mentorships, all of those kinds of relationships. But I want to make it clear that this is not specifically about romantic relationships. This is talking in terms of all kinds of relationships that they encounter and develop with other people. Right, so we see as we go through and we get some information, as we go through and Annabeth really explains how she views the world, how she views her relationships, that she has a really conditional understanding of love. She views love and care and affection as conditional, right? Love and care that can be taken away at any point for any reason. And it really makes you have to be hypervigilant. You know, it can make you anxious, can make you distant if you feel like that's a safer option, uh, etc., etc. There's lots of different ways that somebody can deal with and react to conditional love and the circumstances that can make for it to be taken away, right? 
very scary, very unstable. Some might say insecure. Right. So, <laughs> right. So then we have Percy who is talking in terms of unconditional love because he understands that when you enter relationships, he believes that you give respect, trust, and care and compassion to the other person and you are meant to expect it in return. Percy's expecting unconditional love because he is giving unconditional love, right? And it's not necessarily transactional. This impacts how they view the world. This impacts how they view themselves and their sense of worth. This impacts their understanding of how relationships work and what kind of relationship should offer them. And also just impacts the kinds of future relationships that they get into and what they will expect of those future relationships as well, right? So there's a lot to unpack just in how they build these things. And why did I put this in the context of attachment styles? Why couldn't I just talk about it straight from the thing? Because, because all of this comes back to family. And I think about this a lot, especially because of that ending teaser that we get, where Percy talks about how this is the kind of family they are when talking about the gods, that this is what his mom warned warned him of, that this family in this greek mythology world is not necessarily it's not going to be selfless it's not going to be compassionate and it's not going to be kind and oftentimes they take advantage of each other they backstab each other so on and so forth right and so percy's coming in with a very different mindset you could argue that percy has a secure attachment to his mom and you could argue that annabeth has insecure attachments with a lot of other people and as we see, you know, in the conversation that they have in this train cab, Annabeth explains that the only person that she has ever felt cared for unconditionally by is Luke. And that'll tell you something about where the rest of this so the rest of this show is going. <laughs> um, because I think it's going to make their relationship all the more devastating as we go through. But I hope that helps. Now we're going to reference it as we talk through the rest of the stuff. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. We did it. Oh, okay. So now we get we, we can jump into this this train cap scene because it's so good. It's so good. I love uh, Percy waking up and immediately trying to seek some kind of emotional reassurance because you know what? He's learned that he should talk about his emotions. Hmm. <laughs> Secure attachment style. Hmm. And, and I also love this this first line because Annabeth responds with a yes, right? I don't know if you've noticed, but when Annabeth is still kind of keeping her guard up, she replies in very blunt, uh, almost formal type of answers. You know, yes, no, uh, not entirely giving a whole lot, right? But the next question that Percy asks, Annabeth answers with a yeah. And I think, I think that this is intentional. <laughs> I think that this is intentional. I think that this is Annabeth letting her guard down just a little bit and going into a more casual talk when she switches from yes to yeah like i maybe i'm i'm a little delusional it's fine it's fine. <laughs> i just i really think that that's that's some of what's happening and we get percy you know is immediately asking about thalia and what that relationship with thalia was like and interestingly enough we get annabeth explaining this concept of conditional and unconditional love through Thalia and Luke, right? So 
Annabeth is literally like, Luke cared for me right away, but Thalia, she made me earn it, right? Thalia was conditional. And maybe, and like, let's, let's be, let's be compassionate for a second, you know? Let's be gracious to Thalia. <laughs> Thalia had a lot of her own stuff probably going on in this moment, you know, when she met Annabeth, when she was trying to figure out what kind of a relationship to have with her. And I can guarantee you that there must have been some kind of miscommunication between them as well. Like, not necessarily saying that Thalia didn't do this, but that Thalia probably was going through some of her own stuff, and Annabeth was also going through some of her own stuff. And sometimes when two people are going through their own stuff, they can't fully see each other. Because there's so much other stuff in the middle, and it means uh, this, this, this kind of gap between them and it makes it harder for people to connect and so i think that that's a little bit of what's happening but to annabeth it really seems like she thinks that thalia had this conditional love that you had to prove yourself to be able to earn it what does that sound like hmm hmm does that sound like maybe uh an episode two uh glory kind of talk huh <laughs> yeah it does so we get this 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 beautiful depiction of conditional versus unconditional love and then percy spells it out for us he's like i don't get it like the way you guys all talk the way the gods want us to think it isn't supposed to work that way people who are close to you aren't supposed to treat you that way can i just say <laughs> this is a very emotional moment for me because i love any and all moments where kids are breaking away from generational trauma and are deciding better for themselves you know and I think that this is one of those moments where Percy's like I see this world that you have I see how it works I think I deserve more than that I think that I shouldn't be treated this way even though that's how it's been done for years and years and years and centuries I think I deserve to be treated differently. I think I deserve to be treated with more kindness, with more care, and with more respect, with more dignity. Right? <laughs> A little round of applause for Sally Jackson and the kind of mothering that she is doing to get Percy to this point. The mothering that she is mothering. Oh, Sally Jackson, the woman that you are. <laughs> Just so good phenomenal to be able to get Percy to articulate this on screen right and Annabeth then explains like listen I get that you come from somewhere else this is where I come from and we get a lot of her lore it's very similar to how it is in the books that to her stepmom she wasn't a gift she was a problem and she left when she was seven years old right that her dad at first treated her like a gift but then stopped once the stepmom came in. You know, we're getting that sense of mm, hmm, hmm, conditional love, hmm, 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 insecure attachments in family. Hmm. You know, do, do we see how this is all kind of uh, pairing together really, really well? And so we get the very clear depiction of their two completely different understandings of love, right? Annabeth, conditional, you know. And not even just, like, with the other campers, with Thalia and Luke, but also, like, with the gods, right? Of 
achieving glory, bringing honor to them, to Athena, to be shown love, to be shown reverence, to be shown any kind of care or gesture of acknowledgement, right? And then we get Percy with his unconditional love out here being like, why do I have to do all these things? Why do I have to jump through these hoops to get my dad to notice me? Why won't he just claim me? You know? (laughs) Do we see this? Do we see this? This is so good. And like a lot of this is also in the books, but I feel like this TV show is doing such a wonderful job of bringing this to the surface. Like so, so clearly to the surface so that we can't ignore it. So shout out to them because wow. And like even the scene right before this, right? We're getting to see very clearly an example of not only like unconditional love but the attempts and the 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 results of trying to break away from generational trauma and uh, just so good you know that that video of <laughs> that meme video of jamie lee curtis trauma trauma generational trauma <laughs> trauma family trauma me this is this is this is my jam <laughs> this is who i am <laughs> this is what i will talk about um so <laughs> I am that video of Jamie Lee Curtis saying trauma. That's me. That's me. Mm-hmm. 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 And I also think that we get this uh, very clearly shown when Percy's interacting with Medusa in the last episode and literally has n- literally will not stand for any kind of slander towards Annabeth, even though he, like, specifically chose her because he thought that they couldn't be friends so they would like eliminate the chances of being betrayed right like he's being literally presented with his fear of being betrayed and he's still like no she wouldn't treat me poorly because i trust in her right i have this this sense of what our relationship is and what it should be like and i don't think she's going to break away from that right like this is a whole new thing for percy to have a a relationship like this with Annabeth. At this point, this is just like a developing friendship, right? Percibeth is coming soon. Do not worry. Do not worry. But right now, this is Percy's understanding of friendship, right? And this is also Annabeth's understanding of friendship changing because now she's seeing that somebody who doesn't owe her anything, who she doesn't even really have that much of a connection to, is putting himself on the line for her unconditionally not expecting anything in return from her just hoping that she stays by his side you know like we are shaking the foundations of annabeth's world right now this is this unconditional love concept the secure attachment thing completely foreign to her you know she is so accustomed to this concept of glory to this concept of having to prove yourself to others to be cared for, to be, like, held with respect. Like, this is all that she's known, and this is all that she's been working for. I mean, she's camp counselor for, I think it was, like, four years straight, where she was literally leading them to victory and capture the flag. And that's what she's known for, right? That's how she gets her care and affection. This girl's whole foundation is shaking right now. She is she is shaking in her boots. God, Annabeth... I pray for you. <laughs> I pray for you. And like, again, I'm not going to specifically say Annabeth is a specific kind of insecure attachment style. 
I feel like I don't have enough information to like confidently say any of that, but also like it's not that important. It's more so that this is a relationship. It's more so that Annabeth has consistently been in relationships where she can only get care, love, and affection by doing things to make the other party happy. And if she doesn't achieve those things, arbitrary or not, things she understands or not, you know, like thinking about her dad, then she will lose that relationship, right? She will lose that affection. She will lose that care. And that's what she knows. That's what Annabeth knows. So <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope this, this helped the, the understanding because I think that like these just work so well together. Um, and I think it's really devastating <laughs> that Annabeth's only relationship that she has that is not conditional first is with luke <laughs> it's gonna kill us later on literally gonna kill us later on <laughs> um but you know as we go through this conversation we wake up grover and he he has just some really good like little comedic breaks i i love every time that we just get to see grover being grover like <laughs> he gets so gross yeah <laughs> like so good <laughs> he's so funny it was so gross fantastic literally fantastic they head over to get breakfast and we see this shot from outside the train car um and we can see that something like literally like flies in like shoots in from what <laughs> when i was looking at that i was like this is giving like alien invasion i don't know i'm i wonder if it's supposed to be like something to do with zeus and like it's supposed to be wind maybe but, like, I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, in the book, Echidna is sent by Zeus, right? Here she doesn't announce anything specific. So, like, I guess it's just up to interpretation. Like, what you like who you think sent her. If we're just supposed to assume it's also Zeus. But it's, it's interesting how she gets into this freaking train. I don't know. But we get to have some morning train chats. We're going to hang out. It's going to be fun. Uh, I love that Percy is like, hey, can I ask a stupid question? Because, like, me too. I would do the same thing. I would do this. I'd be like, guys, what are we doing? Um, and I love that the answer to Percy being like, what are we doing? How are we going to get there? Is Grover being like, hey, it's chill. You know, we're bringing it. It's okay. We'll figure it out. It'll it'll happen. The way that this is really truly a demigod disaster moment like they're just winging it and like so am i you know <laughs> that's all i do every day of my life i'm like i'm just gonna wing it it's gonna be fine <laughs> figure it out we're gonna figure it out and that's that's what counts you know but like i just think about the type a demigods out there in the world you know like they must be literally screaming and crying like how are they supposed to plan everything like 10 months in advance how are they supposed to do that they can't they literally can't i'd be so stressed if i was a type a demigod and in the situation it would be the end for me the literal end for me <laughs> we get this fantastic one-liner from annabeth where she goes <laughs> in response to Percy being like can i ask a dumb question she goes it's like you need me to make fun of you <laughs> annabeth my beloved, you are fantastic. Never change. I mean, maybe change a little, you know, maybe grow and have unconditional love. But like, you're so funny, girl. 
You're so funny. You're so funny indeed. <laughs> we get something that I have been waiting for that you have been hearing me talk about basically every episode, um, which is the mention of Pan. <sighs> I was so excited. So it, it, it's introduced by the framing of the centaurs that we see outside of the train car window that nobody else sees. So one, that mist is powerful. The mist is working overtime. She is so strong. And Grover is really like hammering home this like human suck thing that he had in the book and I'm living for it. I am. I really am. Uh but once we get the actual explicit mention of Pan, I was literally screaming at my screen. <laughs> I was like we I was I was just so excited. I was like I kept like I was watching it with my little brother. I kept, like, hitting his leg because he was, like, laying down. And I was like, oh, my gosh! It's happening! Oh, my god!" You know, we got exposition on what satyrs do. We got exposition on, like, the kind of stakes. You know, people don't come back from this. We get this a little bit of exposition on the searcher's license. But we haven't gotten yet is Grover saying that he wants to do this, too. It's coming. I'm sure of it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. But, like, I'm so excited. I was just so happy. I was so ecstatic once I saw it was there. But that that's, that's, it's pretty, it's pretty similar to the book so far. But, like, I was so excited. I was so excited. We then get rudely interrupted by this policeman who shows up. He's like, are you in a room, blah, blah, blah? And they're like, why yeah i guess but like why they go over that room wrecked destroyed in shambles literally in pieces like echidna did you actually have to do that like we know it's echidna at this point did you have to go that hard like was there a reason for that and also like annabeth later on is like well maybe it was somebody trying to like turn the room apart to find the master bolt and like do we think that echidna was actually looking for the master bolt the way that, like, Grover and Percy were, like, arguing with this cop. And, like, Percy in particular was arguing with this cop. But as soon as Annabeth goes, <laughs> as soon as Annabeth goes, are we under arrest? The cop, like, switches attitudes. Like, <laughs> the racism is clear on his face. He's like, I don't think you want to take that attitude with me, little girl. I was like, what the heck? What is your problem? I gasped. I was like, what? <laughs> and she asked it again. And she asked it even sassier. And I just really like that Annabeth in this show is even more snarky and like sassy than she is in the book. I live for it. The way <laughs> the way that she delivered that line, I was like, man, he better be like making funeral arrangements right now because she's looking at him like he's about to die. She didn't kill him, and honestly, she's so merciful. <laughs> she is so merciful. We then get to the, the little trio sitting again in a, a different train car. Kind of under arrest, but not really under arrest, right, you know? Under surveillance or something. And Percy says this line that I thought was so funny for no reason. Like, he was like, we're just buying time until he, the cop, turns into a werewolf or something, right? Excuse me? <laughs> Percy? <laughs> Why are you expecting him to turn into a werewolf? 
you know Greek mythology. A werewolf? <laughs> of all things, that was the first thing that you thought of. A werewolf. Bro. Bro. <laughs> why is that the first thing you thought of? Uh, <laughs> literally, bro, why? Why? Percy's comment, though, does prompt the question of, like, can Grover tell if there's a monster on board? And Grover's answer is kind of, like, ambiguous? I can't tell. It seems like he doesn't have his scent powers smell powers whatever that he did in the books where he can smell where the monsters are right but also like he was getting things hidden to him by the mist so is he going more by his vision or by his scent now i don't know i haven't i haven't deciphered it yet i haven't deciphered what they're trying to do we'll see how it pans out we will see we will see echidna comes over and let me tell you she is suburban mom core like have you ever seen Orphan Black? Have you have you ever seen Orphan Black? There's a character in Orphan Black um, who is a soccer mom in the suburbia. And she reminds me so much of a kid. And like, I, I love Orphan Black. Orphan Black is not for the faint of heart. Let me just say, it is, it is not for the faint of heart. Uh, her name is Allison. You know, if you did watch Orphan Black, this is who Echidna's reminding me of. Ruthless, but like, sweet, but ruthless, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, and, and she goes up and she's like, it's okay, I'm a mom, like derogatory, like, <laughs> you know, and we get this really cool conversation between Echidna and the kids. Grover is like Sherlock Holmes out here being like, <gasps> You have glass on your on your on your jacket, your your coat thingy. The the window didn't break from the inside out; it broke outside in. <gasps> you broke in through our, you know, like Grover is going full Sherlock Holmes. Good for you, Grover. Good for you. And as the kids are starting to catch on to Echidna being monster, Percy has the audacity to go. Listen, lady, <laughs> we've dealt with your kind before, and we'll send you packing just like them. I was like, bro, <laughs> why? Like the the sass in his little listen, lady. I was like, I was gagged. My mouth, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? That's what you're saying to her right now. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so so funny. But then we get this really cool speech from echidna about how monsters are all related to demigods and gods right but not only that but the monsters that percy annabeth and grover are killing are her kids right literally her kids and so there's this new layer of hmm good versus evil is this actually good that we're killing these creatures these monsters that are monsters, but are they monsters? Hmm. You know? And I think, like, for the rest of the notes that I have, because I have so many notes, I think I, like, put air quotes around the word monster. Because, like, we haven't fully decided what we really think that word means or how we want to define that. Because Echidna is, like, very much, like, to me, you demigods are monsters because you are so much more deadly than my kids are, you know? A very interesting, different framing. 
uh, and it's almost like monsters are being equated to like black sheep of the family, which is such a fascinating way to frame it. I think I'm excited for how that will progress. And it's very much like coming to the argument of like, it's not about what you look like or who you're connected to, but it's about your behavior. It's about how it is that you interact with others. And then we we get the, the reveal that Echidna's been talking for so long because she's stalling. I thought this was so funny because she's literally pulling the most Percy Annabeth move ever in like fights where they just like talk to stall for time as they try to figure out what the heck to do. And so Echidna's doing it actually where she's like, actually, I was trying to give my kid the upper hand because now they can track your scent. Ha 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 ha. Echidna out here trying to give her kids unfair advantages but you know maybe that's what they deserve maybe they need that um we get this really cool fast action sequence we get the stinger coming out so interesting i didn't why was it so long (laughs) do we ever get an answer for that it was so long that like uh, so so long um annabeth like prepping with the dagger as echidna was talking i was so scared that like echidna was gonna catch her but she didn't. She was, Annabeth was on it. She, she, she was on that. Bam. Whacking it. Not whacking it. Stabbing it with the dagger. Um, we get the kids running. We get the, the, the shot that I think is like a perfect unintentional recreation of that one meme of like the people at the party looking back at you with the red solo cups, like judging you so, so hard. <laughs> we get... We get that picture of the kids looking back and it looks like they're judging you really hard. It's really funny. And um, we also get like them all running past this family in in a little uh, train unit. And it's great because then we get to see the Chihuahua, <laughs> which I was, I, was, I was really hoping we'd get to see the Chihuahua. So that was great. I really liked that. I also will say, I know that, I know that the poison doesn't immediately kill Percy. But I think it works because the chimera is young, like they're they're a little baby, you know, and so like the poison's gonna take longer to work because it's not as concentrated as if they were an adult. I think that worked. I'm not mad about that. I think I think the pacing, the change of pacing in this episode is really good. I, I really like the changes that are made. Um we see them escape. We know that they're the chimera is staying close to its mom. Fair. <laughs> they're a baby. And Annabeth's like, actually, we need to find someplace safe. I think I have an idea. Let's go to the arch. Exciting. Exciting. She's, like, geeking out about all these little facts about the arch. Like, she's so cute. She's got all these things. She's like, oh, my God, it's being held up by math. Like, it's amazing. This is, like, a true testament of love. And, like, I saw some people being like, they took away her love of architecture. But, like, it's right there. She's talking about how cool she thinks this building is. And, like, I guess I could see the argument for, because I was talking about this with one of my friends. Like, I guess I could see the argument for, oh, it's just her being, like, proud of her mom and, like, what's being, like, attributed to her mom. Like, it's it's her pride in being an Athena kid, not necessarily in architecture. And, like, I can see that. But, like, I don't know. I think I also just know Annabeth way too well. You know, like I can see that this is this is what's happening here, and I hope maybe we get some more as we go through. Cause I, she was she was raving. She had all these facts just just up her sleeve. I was like, girl, 
That's more than I got in the book. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> she said, fuck beside it. <laughs> Annabeth was like, it's anti-earthquake. <laughs> Slay. I love that. <laughs> and once we get in, Grover starts um, talking about how, like, hey, like, this, this sucks. Because inside, there's this display to manifest destiny, more specifically to a lot of the, the overhunting that was happening during that time period. And we get this really interesting line from him where he goes, just because we're prey doesn't mean we need to be helpless. Like, my kid is upset. And also, like, pulling out banger one-liners. Like, you know, like, this kid's going for it. And, but he's also, like, you know, trying to be the bigger person. Uh, you know, he's, he's like, the mature one kind of on this quest. Not that Annabeth's not mature, but, like, he's the one who, I mean, he's literally 24, you know? <laughs> he's literally 24. So he's he's doing what he can. Also, it makes me think that maybe we will get him playing reverse shooter games in the Lotus Casino, like in the book. I don't know if you remember. In the book, Grover plays a hunting simulator, but instead of hunting animals, it's animals hunting humans. <laughs> and, like, this is setting that up, you know? <laughs> we are getting this set up. Uh, we do get some lovely Annabeth and Percy bonding. I really liked that, like, they are able to connect through their care for Grover and their like understanding of their relationships with Grover. I like that this was one of the first moments that like we see Annabeth like very quickly, not quickly, but she very earnestly takes responsibility for not being perfect in the situation, which is so refreshing from her, you know, because we do get a lot of like quick wit from her and a lot of like, I know what's right and what's wrong. And Percy, you don't know as much. But here we're getting I shouldn't have said that to Grover. Like, like she understands like this relationship that she has with Grover is beyond um, these kinds of prideful pretenses that she has made to be set up with Percy, right? And so she can cut through that with, with Grover. And it allows Percy to see a more vulnerable, softer side to her. And I think that's why Percy ends up, like, making little jokes <laughs> to her. I don't know why he made Athena. I don't know why Percy made Athena British. When he was making the little side voice, it was so funny. I was like, why is she British? Uh, <laughs> it's great. As this scene is like progressing, Percy's like slowly looking paler and paler. I remember like reaching over to my little brother as we were watching it together. And I was like, dude, 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 he's going to die. Dude, he's going to die. He's dying. Do you see his face? He's dying right now. <laughs> as if like I haven't read the books a million times. And as if he hasn't read the books with me, like... <laughs> We know he's not dying, but I was like, dude, he's dying. <laughs> he's gonna die. We then switch to Percy kind of giving Annabeth, I was gonna say her roses, but not really, like giving Annabeth some credit, you know, giving her credit and being like, you were right, by the way, we needed a safe place and your mother had one waiting. This whole concept is new to Percy, right? And it, it does a lot of things, but the main thing it does is leave me like fully devastated because like, wow. Percy really feels like he doesn't have anyone else in this moment, you know? Uh, but I think he's saying that she's right about how to appeal to gods, how to respect them, hold them in reverence, and, like, how that allows for you to get things like this be cared for, right? Get this kind of affection, even if it's very kind of cold. And he's acknowledging how strongly she believes in the conditional relationships, conditional love, like, and, like, it just... I, I the reason that I'm like this really is devastating is because he is about to be so completely wrong as we know 
Athena was not giving them a safe place. Like, this lady was not doing that for them. Uh, Anna says this line of luck or fate. When when Percy's like, this was, we're very lucky, you know, that this happened. And Annabeth's like, hmm, hmm, is it luck or is it fate? I'm curious to see how many more times this kind of theme will come up. It did come up a little bit in the last couple episodes, but I'm curious to see if it's going to be more and more prominent. I'm very curious. I'm very curious. Um, Annabeth says to Percy, like, hey, a temple is a temple. Like, you could talk with your dad. And Percy wants nothing to do with his dad which is so fascinating because of the whole outcome of this episode we do get this great line from percy to annabeth he says honestly you've done more for me in the past few days than my dad has done in my entire life if i have to stick with someone i and like he like cuts off you know because he's like wait hold on what am i doing <laughs> what am i doing what am i saying and i think that this really mirrors annabeth's conversation with him in the books later on um even just i think it's in this first book, yeah, and where she tells him, like, even if the cabins go to war, even if, because the, the cabin starts to pick sides, and Athena picked Zeus's side, she was like, even if that's what's happening, even if my mom is going to Zeus's side, I'm sticking by your side. And I think that this very much mirrors it, where uh, in that scene it ends with, like, because I'm your friend, dummy, right? Annabeth saying that to Percy, and here we have Percy almost admitting to being Annabeth's friend. <laughs> I think that that's kind of what it was calling on. I wonder if we'll get that line. I guess it would be in two episodes, right? But I'm excited. Because <laughs> it's, it's a really, like, specific detail that's, like, very much like that moment in The Lightning Thief. Really, really special. Um, and I, I hope that we get that because this is currently, like, Percy siding with Annabeth, right? But that makes sense because Percy's obviously going to side with the person that he knows personally like why would he side with his dad he's currently have literally no reason to do so but i think it would be really nice to have annabeth also side with him like very verbally like making that confirmation like she did in the book and i wonder if we'll get that i hope we get something similar to it or not exactly but you know <laughs> we shall we shall see and we get we get to be like careful i think you're about to call me a friend and like percy starts like He's like kind of smiling, but he's also kind of dying. And he's like, somewhere out there, the Oracle is laughing at us. And then Percy dies. <laughs> That's literally what I was telling my friend. I was like, he died. He didn't. He didn't die. He like collapsed. Um, and Annabeth's like, I know. I know the perfect answer. Let's put Percy in the, the fountain, the water fountain. And let's put water all over him. Annabeth Chase, I love your ideas. You're amazing. <laughs> Also, the way that Percy's trying to make her feel better, like, when they're like, I don't know, is this working? Is this, like, actually doing what it needs to do? And Percy's like, uh, guys, I, 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 no, I, I think it's working. It's, it's, it's fine. And then he tries to stand up and literally falls right back on his butt. Like, <laughs> this is so sweet. He was trying so hard. Um, and then we see that there's a lot of commotion because cars are literally flying and flipping over on the street next to them. And it's like, oh, God, Echidna is coming with the Chimera. We don't know it's the Chimera yet, but we know it's the Chimera, right? And, like, can I just say, how much of a threat to you are these kids? They are, like, three apples tall, each of them. What, what kind of threat are these kids to you? 
at this point, the only person who's like really confident in it at all with her powers is literally Annabeth. It's just Annabeth. Why are you out here trying to kill them like this? Like, why are you flipping cars over? Bro, 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 it's not that serious. These are little kids. <laughs> These are kids. Uh, but we get a new plan. And I was like, all right, we're going to go back into the temple. Monsters shouldn't be able to enter. We're going to go up to the altar and we're going to pray to Athena to heal Percy. We're going to ask for help. And like the way, like, Annabeth is still not calling Percy a friend, right? But she's already putting everything on the line for him. This is, this is very interesting because we got Percy earlier trying to lean into the understanding of conditional relationships being like okay i can see how this is panning out and now we have annabeth reaching over to percy's side of how he understands relationships being like okay i think i'm going to ask for help in a way that percy would ask for help right looking for that that reassurance from a parental figure which is so devastating because she doesn't get it right because this is not the kind of family that will do that for you because they're toxic <laughs> they're toxic uh and i think like the the ending like little teasers really cement that for me <laughs> these 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 ones are toxic um annabeth is being so brave in this moment you know she's trying to reach out to a mom that only comes to her when she feels like it like this is a very scary thing for a kid without that kind of security in a relationship this is really annabeth trying to reach over and understand the way Percy views relationships, similar to how Percy was doing that and reaching over earlier. Uh, and like little, little, little Percy literally like, <laughs> like a step away from death. It's like, I thought we don't ask for help. Like Percy's already influencing her and her worldview. Like, of course she wants the happy, healthier relationship, especially like seeing it, like being represented kind of in Percy and the way he treats her, but also in how much he cares about his mother and like she hasn't been able to grasp the full scope of that yet but we are starting to see that like he doesn't see the benefit to the kind of relationships that the gods have right he's like i don't need that because i can have something better with my mom and just like with my friends like i can have a better relationship elsewhere and she's like this is new <laughs> and this is the first time i can have something like that and i'm gonna try i'm gonna see how it goes and it goes off. I'm so sorry, girl. Uh, and we get this, like, really brutal thing that just, like, tears all of this down in the most painful way possible. Just, just so, so, so painful. We see that as the kids are heading back into the arch to go pray to Athena and ask her for help, that Echidna seems to have a kind of moment with Annabeth, similar to what Percy gets with Mrs. Dodds, where she speaks in his mind. This makes me think of the the quick thought that Athena has in um, some Greek myths of that she can communicate in your brain. And as they're heading in, uh, one, Percy looks awful. He's literally gonna die. <laughs> he is dying as we speak. And nobody knows it. <laughs> but they get into the little pod and Percy keeps his focus on Annabeth. You know, he's trying really hard to connect with her, like trying to get her to look at him. And she's just starting to kind of shut down and try and plan for something else. Like he's he's literally there like, please look at me. Something's wrong. Like, talk to me. Like, 
the person that crumbs in this the crumbs they are so strong they're oh my gosh and and we see echidna is in the arch and we see the shadow of the chimera behind her it took me a couple of rewatches because i'm not necessarily the most like attentive viewer <laughs> because i get focused on one thing or i'm like reading the captions because i like to have captions on and so it took me a couple of watches to be like okay where the heck is the chimera that grover sees but i saw it i saw it eventually i think that i think that echidna talks to annabeth here again we don't get any confirmation of that but i feel like she does it looks like she does and again percy's like trying really hard to to snap annabeth out of her her focus because she's she's kind of shutting down and like trying to figure out what else to do and annabeth says that echidna said my impertinence wounded my mother's pride and that that will be my doom the way i was so mad i was literally so so mad i was like athena i need you to square up right now i athena what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean you know and and, and anybody that in this moment was probably racing trying to think of all the different things this could mean but like athena let echidna and the chimera into this temple what right uh, athena knows that annabeth is starting to form a relationship with percy that is making her question the status quo that status quo being the kind of relationships that demigods have with their kids right and athena values mind over heart like constantly i don't know if you guys know about the the musical uh that's being slowly released epic the musical it's based on odysseus if you haven't listened to it, there's only three parts out right now. That sounds like a lot. I swear it's not. I think each part is like 15 minutes-ish. Uh, it's really, really good. I highly recommend it. There's a specific song uh, called uh, My Goodbye, where Athena gets upset with Odysseus because he's not solely focusing on strategy, but also on his heart and emotions. And I think it, it, it really resonates to this moment of Athena being angry that Annabeth is starting to think about her emotions and prioritize those as well and not just strategy, right? And so we get this really devastating like pull away from her mom after she's been doing all of this like heavy lifting and defending of Athena. Also, this parallels so directly to Medusa when she explains that Athena decided that she needed to be punished for her relationship with Poseidon. Her, her like the literal thing that i was seeing was um her being like i need to be punished me not him right again anna didn't send the head but she's getting punished for percy's actions like come on and like percy is like really confused and upset about why it is that anna getting punished for him she's like you didn't do it i signed it i mailed it off like it was me and it was like no i went along with it and like girl <laughs> god like she was so quickly willing to go along with this because she genuinely assumed that she is at fault because she quote-unquote went along with percy right like and that like it warrants punishment that she didn't intervene that she didn't stop him and like annabeth i need you to know that there are people who won't treat you like this girl other people will treat you better. I swear. I swear. I swear. <laughs> also, I just want to say the fact that the punishment is like, yes, we're going to let the chimera in, known as the demigod killer. But also, 
we're gonna let your new friend die like athena are you for real right now are you for real like this is this is a lot is is this that serious to you is this that serious to you like if i was in annabeth's position i feel like i would start a rebellion right here right now i think that all of this is going to make luke and his approach to things more compelling because <laughs> what do you mean athena's about to kill off percy and annabeth because they shipped Medusa's head to Olympus. Like, are you kidding me? This is an overreaction. Overreaction. Annabeth is very much, like, trying to get into formulate the plan. So they get to the top. Bro looks like he's in a diet. Percy literally is, like, on death's doorstep. <laughs> About to, like, you blow at him and he's going to fall over. He does not look good. And Annabeth is already thinking about all of the different ways that she can sacrifice herself. And she's committing. She's like, the, the chimera is the demigod killer. And you guys need to go ahead and get the lightning bolt. You need to do this. Don't stop. I'm going to hold the chimera back. I'm going to be the buffer between this and you. Right? And Grover and Percy immediately are like, no, we stick together. We're not going to let you do this. Uh... <laughs> I was looking at them and I was like, wow, this is found family, but it's all a bunch of sad, wet cats. <laughs> because <laughs> that's literally what they looked like. I was like, oh. <laughs> but we're like approaching the fight. The chimera is coming up. And we get this switcheroo from Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. I'm unwell. The way he held out the sword to her. Like, when realizing that, like, she was ready and willing to, like, die to get him to safety. And he's like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. And and he pulls her back while propelling himself forward. Locks them out. You get to hear Grover and Annabeth, like, pounding on the door, being like, Percy, no. Like, you can't do this by yourself. Like, let us in. Like, please, please. And I was like, this is devastating. This is literally devastating. Uh, ow, you know, like it hurts, 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 hurts. And I, I wanna, I wanna shout out to this because I feel like people were like, "Oh, Percy, like, doesn't jump off the arch; he just falls, and like that's not as cool." I disagree. I think the whole, I think the big point of this whole scene with the Chimera is that Percy is so fully willing to dive to protect others and that that's what this scene showed us in the book and also now in the tv show that like percy is so loyal right this is what we're getting in the tv show but we're also getting um his like willingness to self-sacrifice himself for other people he was not doing this for the lightning bolt he wasn't even really doing this for his mom he was doing this to protect Annabeth and Grover, to keep them alive. <clears throat> like, this is fully him just being selfless, being kind, being, you know, more heroic, right? Growing into what it, what his heroism is going to look like. I, I really liked this episode. I really, really liked it. I think that at the core, this is what that episode is about this is what that chapter in the book is about it's about percy willing to sacrifice himself 
for others. We then get to see the chimera. Um, and I just, we get the slow, like, shot of the chimera coming in. So, so cool. I was really obsessed by the way that it breathed fire. Like, the way that it, like, flared out around its head. I thought that would look so, so cool. <laughs> um, also, shout out to the way that Percy looks like he doesn't know how to hold a sword. He's, like, gripping it so tight. And I'm like, oh, God, boy, boy, it's okay. It's okay. It's not. It's really not. But, like, it's okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I was looking at how... Echidna really set up the space so that the chimera couldn't lose, right? And I was like, wow, she's basically like giving her kids training wheels and like riding the bike for them. Like, girl, why are you making it so easy for that? But also, like, I guess she's their mom. So she would. <laughs> she tried to make it like the easiest thing possible, you know? First, he gets, ends up falling down the hole. He catches on to like one of the, the metal, what is it, like bars? Um, that's still there in the structure. He's barely hanging on, and Echidna's looking over at him, and she's like, he never had a chance. If only someone cared enough about him, you know, to give him an opportunity to, like, prove himself and to live. And this is, like, very much directly referring to how Athena literally let Echidna in. Echidna and the Chimera in. And how she doesn't think any other god is gonna step in to protect Percy. Because why would they? Right? And then my kid literally falls. He He's literally falling off the St. Louis Arch. And we get this cut to silence. And this like wide shot of the arch and Percy falling off of it. Like from a distance. And I was, oh, I was literally like, this is so cool. <laughs> I was gagged. I was, I was like, oh my God. Uh, and then we go back to him. We get like the, Percy literally spinning in the air. I was like, wow, he's a gymnast. Look at him go. And the water reaches out from the river and grabs him. Like, what? Oh my gosh. And it cuts to silence as he goes into the water. I was like, oh, I was I was floored. I was like, oh my God. It catches him. Like it, it reaches out for him. Which is oh like listen, I am not I'm not gonna be here defending Poseidon to you. But I just think that there is something so powerful about the fact that Annabeth reached out for her mom and her mom gave her nothing. And Percy isn't reaching out to his dad and his dad is reaching out to him. Like there is something so powerful in that duality. Like this this whole episode to me is really about like unconditional love versus conditional love and how it is that these two are viewing relationships like, what is a relationship meant to be like for both of them? You know, I feel like that's a lot of what this episode is. And like, the way that it's the water reaching out and grabbing him, like going out of its way to grab him. Oh, my God, my God. I was floored. I was like, oh, my God, this is happening. Right. Um, also, we get underwater and this water looks so badly polluted. Like, I know in the book and it's like, oh, it's polluted. I'm like, oh, I was looking at it. And I was like, this is water. <laughs> this, is, this is dirty. This is polluted. Shout out to the way that the show routinely bookends episodes, like on either side with specific words or motifs, right? So the start of this episode, we had Sally and Percy with the just breathe being the thing that they were like saying to each other and like reassuring with each other, right? And it's being repeated by this water spirit who comes in once he's in his father's domain, telling Percy to just breathe, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Again, 
I'm still a Poseidon hater. But like this framing was so good. This framing of like a relationship that isn't conditional, you know, of like trying to appeal to Percy's like innate love for his relationship with his mom and trying to take elements of that to make him feel safe in this new situation. Really cool. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like looking at the TV and I was like, wow. This is what's happening. I was like, wow, you know? Um and also like very interesting that we are getting this messaging from his father. Like yes, it's from his dad, but it's coming from a completely different and like str- like technically still like a stranger. Like even it's closer to Poseidon, but it's still removed from him, right? It's very interesting that that, that that was the way that it came through. But I liked that this is what we had. You know, I like that this is the the book ending that we're getting in this episode. And then we get Percy realizing that he can breathe underwater because he couldn't go up to the surface because his, his foot was caught under something. Which is such an interesting thing. I wonder how that happened because water came up and grabbed him. I, I would think that it just like, plopped him down but i guess not and Percy realizes that he can breathe underwater right this is really like the first moment that we get of percy really using or like fully realizing that like he has a power that he has somewhat control over that is related to him being the son of poseidon because so far every single like power or like son of poseidon anything that he's done has been fully unintentional like something that he had no control over but now this is the first time that he's kind of he's kind of growing into his powers now and we're getting to witness it which is so cool like we're getting to see the full scope of it i'm so excited (laughs) this kid is so powerful by the end of these books and we get to watch him get more and more powerful i'm so excited i'm so excited we get this pan out and like this powerful moment of Percy just like suddenly now really going into becoming a demigod hero versus just like some kid. Not to discount the fact that he's a kid, but like it's a really powerful moment of like he has powers. This is a whole new world. He isn't just reacting. Now he's going to be able to start to get some agency when it comes to his powers, which is great because in the tunnel of love he supposedly uses his powers to help them navigate the situation so we're gonna see how that goes we're gonna see how it changes i might i might uh but yeah very very powerful ending shot so so cool i really loved it i really really loved it after this we then get our sneak peeks as we do for the next episode we get the waterland parks sign and the two our two friends standing in front of it like we've seen this imagery before but i'm just so happy that we're actually getting the tunnel of love like they're inside of it and there's like magical lighting um shown in the tunnel we've also seen this in the promotional stuff and like this is also when we're gonna get the persebeth hug persebeth hug like we we are winning we are winning they're gonna be friends at the end of this episode like actual friends like this is this is big this is massive this is life-changing this is life-changing and (laughs) so so cool we also see the fates are judging 
uh, probably Percy, outside of the arch behind like this caution tape. Very, very funny. I like that. I like that. Percy plays out. And it's like, they're, you know, as they're knitting. We also get uh, Percy sitting on this like throne and it looks like gold is kind of like encasing him. And Annabeth is begging for Percy to stand up, you know? Uh, but like she puts so much emotion into this line just in that like cut I'm like oh my god Percy you better stand up like <laughs> you can't let her be you can't leave her like this you gotta get you gotta get up <laughs> and I'm very curious about how the scene is changing because this is completely new there wasn't any kind of chair like that in the book so we're gonna see how that goes um, we also get this voiceover line that's happening throughout the scene which is Percy saying, my mom told me these stories all the time. She said, this is what the gods are like to each other. This is the kind of family they are. And as that like final bit of that line is happening, we get a shot of Aries snapping his fingers as the doors shut on like the camera. Like where the camera's inside this thing and the doors are shutting on it. Like he's like a massive villain. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm so excited. Again, talking about relationships and what kind of relationships we have what kind of relationships we want and what do we actually think are the relationships that we deserve you know i'm excited i'm excited i haven't seen the new one yet um <laughs> literally so much travel i've been doing so much i need to i need to literally like lie down and sleep for like three weeks but we're gonna do the next best thing which is take it easy take it easy and let me just say you should also take it easy hmm. just as a suggestion oh i didn't do an intermission i did make a coffee though i made <laughs> i just realized that i didn't do an intermission i did make a coffee though and i made it it was like with a pumpkin cream like creamer because i like my coffee really really sweet because i'm i'm like that and I put whipped cream on top because I got whipped cream and I put more blue sprinkles. Because <laughs> so I was like, Percy time, Percy time, Percy time. <laughs> what does Percy time require? Blue sprinkles. <laughs> so that's what I did. That's what I did. Tell me what you think about this episode. I think so far it's one of my favorites. We'll see how that changes as we go through. I think I, I just, I keep rewatching uh, back to the Medusa episode because I loved watching that and this episode like together because i feel like they 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 do a really good job together it's almost like these episodes are in pairs so far you know we'll see i think i think that, that theme will continue as we go through but like it's almost like they're in pairs and you should watch them together but i always get whiplash when i go back to the medusa episode um not for anything bad but just because i'm like we start off at camp at the medusa episode and i'm like wow we've come so far <laughs> by the end of of this episode with echidna we're literally in a completely different place the the kids are so much closer to each other, trust each other so much more, literally willing to die for each other, like so completely different than where we were at the start of episode three. And so like I get a little bit of whiplash, but like the the parallels between Medusa and Annabeth in these two episodes is just undeniable, undeniable. So, so good. So, so good. But yeah. That about wraps it up for this one. <laughs> That's what I got. Thank you so much for listening. If you have listened to this far, uh, feel free to follow me on the socials. I will be around a little bit more often. Also, thank you for being so patient with me and 
my schedule uh, stuff just keeps happening <laughs> somehow somehow things just keep occurring you know it's interesting to see i'm like oh how many how many curveballs could i get we're gonna we're gonna make a tally at some point <laughs> maybe i'll keep coming who knows who knows but yeah thank you so much for listening i hope to see you again next time follow me on instagram demigod disasters or twitter demigod disaster come chat give me your thoughts yeah let me know what you think and i will see you very very soon okay bye